the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome into Rob Black and Your Money. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. As a CFP, I'm trained in taxes and insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, any money question, fair game. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. That's 800-516-1220. Rob will actually be here joining me here in a little bit. Just filling in, filling in a little bit and helping him out today. So let's talk a little bit about some of the corporate news out there. Procter & Gamble symbol on that stock is PG, lowered its fiscal year 13's earnings per share outlook by three cents to account for the impact of Venezuela devaluing their currency. So it's a third company in two days I've heard talk about that. UPS boosted its dividend by 8% and announced a new $10 billion share repurchase program. Several food companies out there, Kraft, Campbell Soup, J.M. Smucker reported earnings ahead of expectations. Carnival, however, continues to receive top headlines in media, finally that, that ship was docked. The ship Triumph. If you've seen any on this, and that's kind of late to it, because most people pay attention to his financial news and obviously hit the financial news because of the stock performance. But it sounded like a miserable, horrible, horrible event. I guarantee those people will never go on cruises again. And there will be lawsuits from here until eternity on that one. And it's funny how people perceive that, because I was meeting with some clients yesterday, going over their financial plan, and we were talking about traveling. It's something that in retirement you really have to make sure that you put into your budget what your travel goals are going to be and what you want them to be so that you can afford to do what you want to do. And they said, you know what, we never really wanted to take a cruise, and if we ever decided to take a cruise, it would never be on Carnival again. That's what kind of a disaster like that puts out there in terms of people and how they view companies. At the same time, it's like any kind of an airline situation. You have an airline crash, that airline's probably going to be the safest one to fly for a long period of time. Now, more stories out there today, too, reporting that large head funds had sold Apple off in December, pushing it, you know, pushing it to the downside. And a, a story that I really like out there today, and uh, this is from Brian Belsky, Chief Investment Strategist of BMO Capital Markets. After 15 years of cutting costs, hoarding cash, and lowering debt, it's go time for corporate America. That's what he's saying. He says we're on the cusp of a major cycle of CapEx. That's corporate reinvestment spending. He says we want to see them invest in their own company. We think it's actually going to be forced upon them. And what this has to do with is a lot of companies have expanded their margins. And, and there's charts you can run 
off Bloomberg, for example, that says, what's, you know, what's margin versus GDP? What's margin expansion out there? It's at all-time highs. Companies have cut costs and become more efficient than ever in the almost two decades that I've been in this business. And they've got a lot of cash on their balance sheets, and, and a lot of that's because of the uncertainty out there. So while much has been said about the country's cash-rich corporations, and you've got Einhorn you know, going after Apple saying, you've got to use this cash better. That's way too much cash to be sitting around doing nothing, basically losing money at the rate of inflation. And uh, so Belsky, this guy from BMO Capital, says there are really only four things companies can do with their money. Buy back stock, initiate or increase dividends, which I like, buy other companies, or invest in themselves. And so we've seen a lot of this going on already. But the one that is, is missing has been mergers and acquisitions. And um, a lot of CapEx spending has also been on hold because of the uncertainty with taxes and everything else. Now, this is one of the things I've been looking at because a lot of this cash is offshore. It's, it's not in the U.S. And I mentioned this yesterday on the show, but if something – companies like Cisco came out and said, if we're going to grow, we're, we're, Chambers said, we're going to buy growth. So smaller company stocks in terms of acquisitions look very, very good. So one of the things that I'll probably be adding to after we get past some of this sequestration is small cap world. There's not a lot of small cap world funds, funds that invest in small cap companies all around the world. A lot of them are about you know, 60% U.S., 40% overseas. But if cash is on balance sheets overseas and if this government doesn't get it together, which I doubt they will, and realize how important it is to be able to bring that cash back without big taxes, the acquisitions are probably going to happen overseas. So think about that. Some economic news out there, the New York Empire Manufacturing Index for February is surprised to the upside, reading of 10.04. So that's up a lot from negative 7.8 in January. And so this, the, the February reading is the highest point since May of 2012. You'll get three or four revisions to this number. I don't even know why they report this stuff until they actually have the right numbers, just like unemployment. You really don't know what the real numbers are until about two or three months later. But the market reacts to it. Actually, today the market's pretty flat, so not much of a reaction there. I think we're kind of on hold after this big run-up in January. So some of the other developments out there, it's, uh, we've got this meteorite that blazed over central Russia, a meteorite shower, triggered a sonic boom, set off car alarms, shattered windows, Big blinding display of light. That would have been pretty freaky to be there. Pretty scary, to, especially for kids. Could you imagine that? And um, I really like briefing.com. Briefing.com is one of my favorite sites to go to in the morning for a quick general rundown of all the things that went on in overseas trading and some of the market numbers that are coming out, earnings and things like that. They've got the page one report. That's a real great opening snapshot of the market. And they had a very detailed explanation of this. They said that that's just the basic story when it comes to Russia and what happened. But the blinding display of light and sonic boom really might have been a cause, a case of spontaneous combustion resulting from all the carbon dioxide being admitted at the same time from the G20 finance ministers meeting in Russia and spewing about currency wars. So I've never seen an attempt of humor like that on briefing.com. Have you, Rob? Pretty interesting. Pretty bad, actually. Yeah. I had to read it three times to say, okay, I, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to make a joke about this G20 finance minister's meeting in Russia. We've got a currency war going on, and Japan has fueled the fire. Governments are printing money around the world. 
there was a 11 ton meteor shower is what it comes down to 11 right. tons yeah not as much as you'd think the numbers of injured and in the hospital are growing lots and lots of damage lots of weird things wasn't it russia the place where they had that odd freeze the flash freeze too i think that was russia a little while ago where something like 30 or 40 people died are you reading the world of the news no just um i, I read you know i listen to late night radio like one o'clock in the morning conspiracy theory stuff no, I miss that no. stuff. <laughs> that's how I got into radio, that, that, that stuff. That, that, that's, that's what used to lead AM radio. No doubt. So, you know, we've got the, the Fed printing money, and you'd think the dollar would be falling. Gold would be rising. Gold recently broke through a point where it looks like it could push a little bit lower here, and it probably will before it could go higher. And so you'd think with all the Federal Reserve printing money, basically using that money to buy short or longer term treasuries now as well as mortgage backed securities. I mean they're essentially making up the mortgage backed security market. And really a theory, some of the theories that are going on out there, which are starting to make sense because I really don't know how this is all gonna work. You know, what happens is these bonds that the Feds buy mature? What do they do with the interest that they earn on these bonds? Well, some economists are viewing that what the Fed is doing is actually backwards. They're trying to weaken the dollar so that we export more. Right? Right. And stimulate the economy. However, they're buying so much bonds, it's taking something like $90 million a month out of the economy that would otherwise go to the pockets of investors that are earning interest on these bonds. So it's actually constraining and, and causing the dollar to be more attractive versus other currencies, especially when you got Japan printing money and with the next regime. Want to get your calls in there, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. And iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black. Taking a little bit of a downtime. Where I'm going to do a little less talking because I went to see Dr. Susie. What, do you, what, what pills did you take this morning? Some good ones. <laughs> Percocet. That's why you drove a little slower on the way here. A little codeine. So I feel good if anyone wants to do the Truth Serum Rob Black show. <laughs> the Truth Therapy of Rob Black. But uh, the reason I'm bringing up the tooth issue, and Chad was kind enough to send for me in the first segment, and he's going to lead the show today, is uh, it's expensive. Dental work not quite covered by insurance. No, it's not. I mean, it's you get you get some group plans through the employer, and we you know we have we do a great job in covering the health insurance of our employees. But yeah. whatever dental plans kind of coincide with that, they're just they're poor. A lot of them aren't really worth the cost. Right. And this is something that flows through into retirement. And what people have to project and why people should not retire too early or without a plan is because the cost of health insurance has gone up. Right. And then if you're trying to – if you're a middle-class person, that's who it's really important to buy long-term care insurance to protect – you know, to help stay out of a nursing home so that you have home health care when you're you know, 75, 85 years old and you need some help. That's on your own. You, can't, you don't get any of that from Medicare or Medicaid after like you know, 90 days or so. And – family members in their 70s, and one's had back surgery, one's lost three teeth that had to be replaced with, like, uh, 
screws, titanium screws. Mm-hmm. This is two, three thousand dollars per pop. Should have just had him get a grill. <laughs> a grill. But yeah, it's and dental insurance is what I was kind of leading to. That's that's why you get all these studies out there that say, besides your regular health insurance that you buy to go along with Medicare, because Medicare is not enough. You get a you get A for free, B you pay for, then you buy a supplemental plan. And then you have to set about $250,000 aside right. to pay for all of the ancillary costs in retirement. $250,000. There's some people that try to retire with $250,000. I see it all the time. It's, and it's sad. They're I moving. See. They're in poverty. I saw a woman who's 54, and she just sent, finished sending both of her kids to uh, school. And am I sounding too much like Skyler? Kick me out. You've had a stroke. I said Cartman. Um, <laughs> hey, kids. So anyway, 54 years old, uh, yeah. 200000 or less. And she said, I just finished sending both my kids to school. And I'm like, oh, shame. You should send them to school and let them pile up debt. And so just spending $200,000 on them, you'd have 400000 You'd still have seven more years to make that 800000 But because she sent her kids to school first versus uh, funding her own retirement, she's going to work till the day she dies or downsize or try to remarry wealth or you yeah. know, eat cat food. You know, speaking of that, I mean, people have such an unrealistic view of what retirement costs and really even what you can earn on in investments with all-time low interest rates. Um, you know, your grandparents probably would have put about 50 to 60% in bonds and CDs at retirement, maybe the rest in some stocks, and, you know, been able to average 6 or 7%. Um, but bonds are paying half of what they were even 10 years ago. People just don't realize the cost. And this is a, a, a email that I got yesterday after I did the show for you, the second hour. So this is, I have zero debt, own $300,000 condo outright. I have $210,000 IRA, 70000 liquid, 8000 per month to invest. This guy's a doctor. My goal is to guarantee income of 4000 per month for life so that I can retire as soon as possible between age 40 and 50. Currently 34 years old. $4,000 per month. So this is a doctor making enough to invest 8000 per month, yet you want to retire and make $4,000 a month. In, in 18 years, $4,000 a month is equal to a standard of living of $2,000 a month. Okay. 36 years from now, it's $1,000 a month. People don't understand also the effects of inflation and what you're really truly saving for. It's funny because that same exact concept, you could say, you know, so many years down the road, $4,000, you'll need 8000 to cover $4,000 cost of living. Right. So you have to think of it backwards. You have to inflate. Yeah. And then Dave Ramsey got taken to task recently because he used a 12% rate of return for the next 30 years, but he didn't devalue the dollar at all, and he didn't account for inflation at all. Well, he's and also people not started attacking him. Well, good. Yeah. When he, okay, when he crosses the line in terms of the investment side, it's, I, 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 I cringe. Um, first of all, has the stock market averaged 11% over the last 100 years, even in the last two decades? Yeah, it has. It absolutely has. The markets do recover, and if you tried to time the market and you sold out in 2009, unfortunately, you screwed up really, really bad. But at the same time, you can't use 11% rates of return in your financial planning because you eventually have to transition to fixed income and some cash in your portfolio um, to be able to retire with a certain level of safety. But uh, if you're wealthy enough and you can retire with a huge stock portfolio and simply live off, you know, half of the dividends to start, you're in great shape. Then you could go that risky if you wanted to. You see that guy Petraeus from South Africa with the two blade legs? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shot his girlfriend. Um, 
try to model girlfriend. He's in jail, in prison. Wow. So they decided to give him bond because it's not like he's going to run for it. <laughs> they stuck his legs. Yep, yep. Sure they did. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, Paralympian. Nike dropped him instantly. Who you think? Oh, yeah. Wait, they've had a good run, haven't they? <laughs> Nike had some tough runs. At least so. Jordan stayed with them the whole time, right? And yet the Nike stock is almost at an all-time high. Yep. So, and it just goes to show you, like, that's a company that's almost Teflon. Bad things can happen to it. Tiger Woods, uh, Petraeus, um, Lance Armstrong, and they just keep keep on motoring. If they keep plugging through, the only issue that they have right now is it, you can almost look at them as a technology company in terms of the research that they do and the design. And so they, they're just recently, they had a pullback before they hit back to this current level adjusted for splits just because they're having a little bit of margin pressure, the cost of design and research and things like that. But it's one of those companies that you can look at as a constant dividend increaser. Yeah, they just uh, recently committed to what's called the Flyknit Shoe. The Flyknit Shoe is Time Magazine's one of its top 2012 tech innovations. Mm -hmm. It's all made out of one piece of material. I have it as a running shoe, and I swear by it. Yeah, it's the kind of shoe that um, triathletes can jump out of the water and throw it on really, really fast. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. So. Yeah. You and I talking Nike, like old days. <laughs> I forgot a like this. And now, actually, two weeks I'm going to be going to the Nike employee store in Oregon. Why? Because I need a whole bunch of new gear. Okay. And I have friends that work there. Ah, gotcha. And I love sales. <laughs> when you can get Nike stuff at, you know, 50, 60% off. I remember I came to your <laughs> house a couple of years ago, and you had, like, this 60-inch HP TV. It's like, oh, yeah, i got a friend who works there. Yeah. HP yeah. had those... Uh, 1080p, um, L, the what do you call them, the light thing? The TV's huge. LED. Now. No, it wasn't an LED. LCD. It's the plasma. Oh no, no, no! It's the light. I can't even think of it. It's so old now that it's not yeah. working properly. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's how long we've known each other. How long? How long until you throw that away? Uh, I actually gave it away, but it's now I've been told it was not working properly. They had to try to update the software on it, and it's having all sorts of issues. It's Chad Burton, New Focus Financial. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. He's got a lot of articles at the website. He's got webinars, things that you could watch. You can learn more by going to newfocusfinancial.com. I'm That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Just getting some tooth work done recently. An old cavity in my back molar exploded. Basically, just old work. A tooth exploded in your mouth? Don't get dirty. Brush your teeth. Wait, wait. No, no. And I said, is it because I didn't brush my teeth? He goes, probably because you didn't brush your teeth as much when you were a teenager. He goes, once you're 20, 20, 25, 30, like, most of the damage that's going to be done is mostly done. Mm -hmm. Not completely. But he said, uh, it was old work. Basically, a little water gets in and expands and poof, your tooth blows up. 
So uh, my advice is tell your kids to brush early, yeah. floss, and uh, water pick at that stuff, whatever you can. So um, because it's it's expensive. It is. You know how you look at two kids. I have three. They're all very different. It's like how does he, how do these come from the same humans? You know what I mean? Seems like if you had kids, they would be all fairly similar. But even teeth are different. I have three. And my middle son. Yeah. His teeth are horrible. Like his weak enamel, the whole thing. He's a real healthy, active, athletic kid, but his teeth are horrible. And he's going to have tons of work done. And I look at it and see thousands of dollars sitting in his mouth. Is that when you say that it, that comes from your side of the family? <laughs> exactly. And when you see him like win a, a race, a sprint, all the bad he gets stuff. that from my side of the family. Yeah. All the good stuff from mine. Yeah, Ewan exactly. McGregor. He sees an idea for a Star Wars spinoff. Disney plans to make Star Wars spinoffs. Not only are they going to do episodes 7, 8, and 9 to complete the nine movies, but Ewan McGregor said that uh, you know, he's got this idea, um, a film of his own. So the reason I bring this up is we'll want to hear some of the backstories on Chewbacca. We'll want to see some of the backstories on Ewan McGregor and you know, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi before he became Obi-Wan, and maybe Obi-Wan as a kid. Disney now owns this franchise, and Disney owns the Avengers, and they've been very successful with the Avengers, but they've also been successful with the Hulk, with Captain America, with Iron Man. Uh, what do you think about owning companies that are absolute no-brainers? Like, Disney was around when you and I, our parents were little boys, mm-hmm. and when your kids' kids are having kids, they're going to be around, because they have these franchises that are automatic. Well, I don't know if you can ever just say I'm going to... Hold it, and it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty close. You, well, yeah, but things change. I mean, what if you get new management, and they screw that up, they cut a dividend, they do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Then you've got to still have a sales strategy. You can't just fall in love with something just because it's a name. So I would never say that, you know, when I buy something, I want to be able to be pretty confident that I'll be able to hold it for three to five years. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything after that. Which is fair, because I go back to a stock sheet that I had back in 1996 that had AIG on it and Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers. Now it, GE. Which I would be proud if you had bought it every two months since then, you've, you've quadrupled your money. Well, it's actually started to look much more attractive, especially when I was talking about at the top of the hour in terms of CapEx spending. That's a yeah. company that would benefit from that if we do see a big boost in CapEx spending, which is what the economy around the world is missing. Yeah. Um, point being... Um, yeah, things do change. Like Time Warner made a huge mistake merging with AOL. Um, had they not done that, they would be f- way farther ahead than they are now. But uh, it should some blue chip be components of portfolios? And blue chips like ExxonMobil, blue chips like Chevron Texaco, blue chips like Visa. Now, again, I can make an argument that Visa may not be as relevant in 10 years from now as they are 10 years ago and today. Mm-hmm. But most of these companies... You're not going to give a, a little bit. Like, I would prefer if our listener would rather, I would rather, because if they're going to do it on their own, instead of buying, buying Marin Software, which may or may not ever make money, I'd rather them say, I'm going to go after something like Disney. Maybe I'll look at a low, maybe I'll look at it on a really bad market. Maybe I'll look for it um, after they've had a bad quarter. Maybe a disaster at one of their theme parks. Meteor hits it and wipes out 14 children. <laughs> It's, you know, if you look at the large cap side, that's why I can, I don't have any problems or hesitation to use index funds for large cap and and even a lot of the mid cap because a lot of those companies have matured and they're paying dividends. So if you, 
go to that theme, like the merchant dividend achiever, or look up dividend aristocrats, companies that have consistently paid their shareholders back in dividends and increased their dividends. That's perfect for half, if not your entire large cap position, if you're close to retirement. Okay. Those are the types of no-brainer holdings that you can have of, of, hey, at least I get some income no matter what the stock price is doing. So if the stock goes through a year or two where their margins are contracting or their business is changing a little bit and they have to reinvent themselves like IBM has done over and over again, look at that stock. Um, you'll get paid while you wait. Yeah. I think that's really important. You know, one of my fee size is that uh, we work from 20 to 60. That's our investment career, 20 to 60. Most of us don't even start till 30. Um, some of us get spooked out and never get back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you talked about merchants, dividend achievers, and again, I, I I don't want you to agree with me, but do you remember there was a company called Allied Capital? They had this great dividend. They always seemed to increase it. They were basically a venture capital company because they were investing in small companies and spinning them out of the portfolio. And that, that stock ended very poorly. After years and years and years and years and years and years and years of being a winner on the, you know, uh, Dividend achievers, i.e. companies that regularly increase their dividend. It turned out to be an El Flapo. But if you compare that to like a Nike or McDonald's or um, IBM, and you look at the same 40-year periods, yeah, you know, Disney made some mistakes. Disney Euro was kind of a bit of a flop for a while. Like building castles in Europe wasn't exactly as powerful as building castles in the United States because they actually have said castle. <laughs> it's not as new there. It, I, I, I like capital. That's the stock we've actually made a lot of money on. We I made a lot. I have of not thought about that stock in a couple of years. And when we got out, we got out perfectly. Well, we got out. Remember, there was something with uh, a, a conflict of interest on the board. Right. And um, so that's why we exited the stock. Something just didn't seem right. And I, I'm trying to remember what that was. I'd have to look way back in notes. But um, that's the thing is that you got to look out for those types of situations where when, when something doesn't seem right, whether it's something on their balance sheet. We've got a stock on a watch list right now where their accounts receivables are – it's a dividend achiever stock, but the accounts receivables are expanding drastically, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so the stock is now on the watch list until we figure out what that issue is. And so you've, you've, got to, you've got to do your homework. Most people listening to this show should not buy individual stocks, period. They really shouldn't. Let me throw that out there. Accounts receivable. Day sales outstanding. Like I could sell you software if I'm a software company, and you could try and try and try and try to never buy it. So I, it, that's like 90 days on software is horrific. But there was a company called Sunbeam. Do you remember Sunbeam with Al Cha- uh, Chainsaw Dunlop? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, their accounts receivable kept going higher. They made like toasters, George Foreman grills, things like that. And what he was doing was he was sending them off to the warehouse and – saying that they've been bought, sitting off the warehouse, saying that they've been bought. <laughs> Sears wasn't buying them, Pennies wasn't buying them. And Dunlop was a jerk of a CEO. He would scream on conference calls and analysts. He would say, you don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, so why are your receivables going up? And he's like, never let this guy on the call again. Ever, he's an idiot. And then ultimately he, down, he broke down in tears when he got caught cheating. Uh, and it was all because of accounts receivable, that one little line. Yeah, that's important to watch that stuff. And that's why it, it, it's so easy to buy and fall in love with a name. And the toughest thing about investing is selling. And most people have a buy strategy and never sell something. That's when they get burned. Then they get burned, and then they sit out of the market. And we was talking to a guy on your show yesterday that you know, got burned by somebody that was calling themselves a financial advisor in 1999 and stuck them all basically in a large cap type of a tech fund. Yeah, well, that's pretty good financial sold. advice in 1998. <laughs> in 1996, <laughs> kind of how we met, right? Um, but uh, 
you know, it was also one of those loaded fund situations. So the guy sells them a fund because it's hot, and then they go find the next person to sell to, and they don't manage your money. So you got to steer totally clear of commission-based brokers um, because they have no skin in the game on a quarter-to-quarter basis to make sure that your assets are in the right spot. Yeah, and the training is just questionable. Yeah. You know, a financial planner looks to the future of does my client have enough money to last till the day he dies? Right. A financial advisor is not worried about current market conditions as much as the future. You know, you know, it's kind of the best people I like to hire are people that work with the larger insurance companies for, you know, a good five or ten years as they call themselves advisors, right? But they really sell insurance products. And a lot of these people aren't necessarily bad people. They're literally brainwashed into believing that insurance is investments, right? Ugh. And But once they figure that out on their own, that there's better options and that that's not the right thing to do, and they start looking for the world of real financial planning as a CFP that's a fiduciary, they're trained in all the stuff that's bad, so they know what's good. You know what I mean? They know yeah, gotcha. what's still good of those types of products, because there's some decent ones. I mean, if you're a really wealthy person, you have a lot of assets, and you have really, really high income – you're that 1% of the population, those type of people can actually use insurance as an investment because they're paying such high taxes. But for the average American, it's the stupidest thing you can do is buy life insurance on yourself, variable life insurance on yourself, variable life insurance on your kids, and use it as college planning. It's, it's not wise. I'm with you. Anything else that we need to know? No. How much time we got left in this? Because I was reading an interesting... Ten seconds. Oh, I've got... I'll, Tease it then. Just um, BlackRock came out with a kind of an overall bond view for 2013 on types of bonds to uh, get into and types of bonds to avoid. And they're saying inflation protected securities or tips. We got uh, another two minutes. Keep going. Well, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it's Chad Burton. We'll talk about that when we come <laughs> back. Newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Uh, a lot of great articles, webinars, upcoming seminars, uh, things that you need to start thinking about. Chad Burton at NewFocusFinancial.com. It's Chad at NewFocusFinancial.com. It's how you email Wall Street Business Network. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. Former Melrose, Melrose Place. Did you ever watch Melrose Place, Chad? Yeah. Uh, I was forced into it. I Hands tied, everything. It was horrible. Was there a gag? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. No, I've seen a couple of episodes, and it's just, yeah. Former Melrose Place actress Amy Locaine Bulvinizia was sentenced three years in prison Thursday after killing a New Jersey woman while drunk driving in 2010. She's 41 years old, vehicular homicide, killed a six-year-old woman. Uh, her blood alcohol level is three times the legal limit. Uh, when the judge said, we're only giving her three years in prison instead of ten, the victim's husband stood up and yelled, what a travesty. 
Um, I bring that up because bad things happen in the world. And that's part of a financial plan is to know that mom, dad may not be around. Um, that court cost, she clearly probably spent twenty to $60,000 just to find out she's going to prison. Um, things you have to plan on. Like today, you or I could be driving home and we could be taken out by a drunk driver or a mad Raider fan who is upset the Raiders have already been eliminated from the playoffs next year. Speaking of the news, a happier story from, I think this girl was from Melrose Place. Rachel Fox has been on a whole bunch of um, CNBC and, and Yahoo Finance and other no, places. No, no, you're talking about Cougar Town, the, the 16-year-old day trader? She's, uh, she's from Cougar Town, or yeah, is yeah. it Melrose Place? Cougar Town. Six, uh, 16 years old. Yeah. and Melrose Place hasn't been on in many years. Well, I know. That's what she was a little girl, I oh, think. Okay. But, yeah. Um, yeah, she's you know into into stock, mostly trading. She's kind of doing her day trading thing, but she does a great interview, and she actually has a strategy. Now there are people that can make money trading. You know, it's it's a tough, sweaty, sitting in your own living room watching dual screens all day long to kind of eke out a living. But um, it's, it's 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 kind of a I think it's a good thing to show your kids. Because it, it shows that younger people can learn about stocks. They can learn about investing. It's something they're not going to learn about in school. And so you have to teach your kids younger. You owe it to them. Otherwise, they're going to be on your couch when they're 35 years old. And we were talking about the things that are unexpected. I know somebody right now who um, you know, had to basically get a surgery from a broken bone that never got healed or fixed. Has some short-term disability that is going to cover some in, about 40% of their income for the four months of recovery. But it's it's a situation that caused them to have to get rid of their house, move in with a parent at an older age, and just to be able to you know kind of make ends meet as they go through this disability process. So disability insurance, and then if you have assets, you just call up your homeowner's policy and say, I need umbrella coverage. It's 300 bucks a year for a million dollars. Cheapest protection you can have. Before you go thrown in Nevada corporations and all this other garbage. We were both wrong, by Desperate housewives. Thank you. So, both wrong. And uh, Kayla Scavo is her name. No, Rachel like, Fox. Oh. Oh, well, she t- uh, her, her role is Kayla Scavo on the show. Oh, okay, gotcha. She earns over 64% a year on her investments. Well, you I think for, what, two years? Yeah, we need to downplay that we look up to her, and we need to tell people that she probably got lucky. Right. But more, more so than smart. But the thing is, is, starting out at 16, you can make mistakes. She's going to oh, do absolutely. really, really well as an investor. She'll figure it out. Okay, I see where you're going with this. But do you remember the Beardstown ladies? Beardstown ladies, no. There were a bunch of ladies that would beat Wall Street every year. They were an investment club. Okay. And then they looked back, and they had historically started with the wrong number, and they actually never beat Wall Street. <laughs> but for 10 years, they'd have them on CNBC, and they're like, the Beardstown ladies. So did they start their wrong number with These that? These silver foxes are 70 years old and beating the, the likes of Headspan manager Bill Ackman. And like, nope. Was there back testing on a piece of uh, napkin part? <laughs> <laughs> no that, that conveniently got thrown away. <laughs> yeah, back testing is important, and making assumptions is even worse. I think so. back testing is garbage, in my opinion. Well, you're talking about backtesting a theory or... or no, when you or try to say something that... that you, oh, you okay, can well, manipulate yeah, yeah. a spreadsheet all you want to make whatever thing you're trying to sell work. I mean, it's a, you can't sell on backtesting. 
Yeah, well, I once recently heard that someone was like, yeah, I've got years and years of audited track records, and when you keep asking for his track records, they, they won't appear because it's almost impossible to do. Yeah. In a business like yours and mine where you're doing financial planning for people, you're starting different portfolios at different times of the year. Mm-hmm. You can't say you have an audited track record unless you have one track record that's been consistent that you you can't do it. Because different clients are going to get different results. The amount of accounting you would have to pay for every separate account to be back-tested and, and proven correct, um, it's impossible. Yeah, because you can't do it in-house, really, and have it audited. Um, the same kind of situation that your last event in Walnut Creek, somebody came with a contract from another person that had a 2.73% upfront starting fee plus 2.5% a year in fees. Uh-huh. And... They were able to actually get the accounts open and place trades before the contract was even returned to them. Pretty crazy. I mean, so this is this is something I'm looking into. That's probably going to be an SEC report by the time we get done with it. Let's let's change the topic. <laughs> let's talk bonds. We got one minute. Barry Bonds. Should we be spending money on prosecuting him? Who's Barry Bonds? I've already forgotten. Oh, come Isn't on. he just an asterisk now in the Hall of Fame? You know, Pete Rose is being completely taken out of Topps uh, bubblegum cards. Any mention of him? Wait, he's still Topps bubblegum cards? Yes, <laughs> and they're investments, dude. I know. I You've know. got to get into the asset class of, of trading Collectibles. cards. Collectibles. Collectibles. Now that Topps makes about 45 million cards this year. Yeah. 30 seconds. Do you want to plug yourself? Which, uh, which is legal in the city of San Francisco. But <laughs> I thought that was only one day a year to print. No, no. It's <laughs> Can't ever do it in Danville, but go ahead. Uh, I don't know if I want to after that, but newfocusfinancial.com. Call the show if you got a money question. I'm a CFP, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Rob and I will go crazy just talking to each other. There is no corkage fee. There is no corkage fee. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Sitting in today with CFP Chad Burton. He, of course, of New Focus. We're going to be talking big issues today. I was taking little bullet shots here and there, as we'll want to do. Mr. Burton, how are you? Doing well. Doing very well. There's kind of a school of investing that I like to go to. It's always like the opposite of what you think is going to happen. 2012 was clearly remembered in my part as, isn't that the year the market was supposed to go down? Because 2011 ended kind of with a whimper. And then 2012 had Europe and fiscal cliff and who's going to be the president and China slowing down. And then it was a better than average year, 16%. 12 much better than average, yeah. Well, I mean, the market's averaged 11% over the last 100 years. Typically, the positive returns are up in the... You know, positive 13 to 16% range. Negative years are around negative 11 when they happen. That's just part of investing. But t- 2012 was absolutely the most hated stock market rally that I could probably remember in the Not by 20 me. years in the rally. It, in terms of just the overall general view and how many pre- people actually participated in it. Oh, that's true. Okay. Um, a lot of money managers still, you know, steering clear of financials. The rally was really fueled by a lot of financial stocks and making money on mortgages. Now, how long this mortgage refinance boom is going to last? Banks, it's funny, the, the Fed's actually hurting the economy to a point when they're 
buying bonds to this extent because they're pulling the interest out of the, of the that they're earning on the bonds out of the economy. Right. And they're hurting banks. They're also hurting insurance companies. You know what I want to buy when I know that the Fed's done buying bonds? I want to buy insurance companies because they have to hold a certain amount of money in high-quality corporate bonds. And so it, once the Fed stops buying and the, the bond market resets itself now that the Fed's not the major purchaser of things like mortgage-backed securities, then we'll really know how much money insurance companies can make yeah. on their portfolios. And they've had a long time now to clean up their balance sheets, and they've had a long time to cut costs, and I think that they could make a decent amount of money in the future. I don't, I don't think right now because it's scary, but uh, eventually. But if you and I were to debate, and debate doesn't mean we disagree with each other, it just means we're bringing up points that we can think about. I'd say, yeah, a lot of these financials have already shot everything they're going to shoot as far as refis go, but there's always going to be some new home buyers coming in. Um, and the debt that they've, they've thrown out there is going to be pretty clean debt because it's been pretty tough to get debt. Right. So their failure rates should be below historical norms. With that said, that's the argument of um, right now the XLF, um, the financial index, looks cheap on a valuation basis, but on a fundamental revenue growth in the future, it may not be all that that's been in the last two years. So. That's what you have to do as an investor is weigh pros and cons. Right, and if you call a trade as something that you're uncertain on whether or not you want to hold it for over three to five years. You have to consider it a trade. And I think that's what you have to consider financial stocks until they make money in the basic areas of business, which is take deposits, lend the money out, right? That's what banks typically do. Now, there's bigger, larger money centers, and those I also would look at as almost a trade as well because – you don't know what types of swaps that they still own in the bond market and how the bond market will react when the Fed's all done. I think you have to be very, very wary. I think there's some good investment opportunities, but look at them as trades and uh, babysit those positions. And as soon as you see something funny on the annual report or a, a filing, then you know you might want to exit. Well, 2012 was thought to be the year that a lot of things could go wrong and Ultimately, some of them did, and we're still okay with it because we had low valuations to play with. Um, as long as corporate America delivered some profits, things were going to be okay. And that's that's the bottom line. That's kind of what happened. Again, you had quantitative easing three. There's there's it's way too easy just it's way too easy to digest and say that's simple. But 2013, I think a lot of people were looking at, you know, bonds. When are bonds going to get murdered? Because Pimco, which I find this very interesting, Pimco. Every commercial break is brought to you by Pimco. And then every day you see Arian and or Bill Gross from uh, PIMCO talking about the impending doom of, of, of bonds. I, mm-hmm. I think that's almost a conflict. The supernova term that he used. Did he use supernova? Yeah. yeah. Uh, are bonds ever going to get decimated? What's a big gift? When you have a rising rate environment, you see bonds hurt for a year or two. Um, but you can't have a – technically, you can't have a bond bubble where you lose infinite value uh, because bonds mature, right? So there's, a, there's an end date to the asset, whereas in stocks, you know, they, they either go up or, or they go to zero. Um, so bonds don't you – know, unless the company goes out, they, they don't go to zero. You get, what, you get the face value of the bond back at some point unless the company goes out of business, which I don't you – know, I think we're past that point unless it's junk bonds. But BlackRock recently came out with an article in terms of what they're telling people to invest in and what they're, they're saying you know, overweight or underweight in. 
And some of their investment recommendations, of course, reduce interest rate sensitive segments. I, I ran into a person yesterday. They had a, a, like a this this basic bond fund, just a government securities fund, and they're like, I, I don't, I should probably get out of this because I'm losing money. Well, interest rates are rising, so the basic longer term government bond funds will lose money. Period. So you shouldn't be anything long duration treasury related. Um, people like right now because of the easy credit out there and the, the, a lot of money they like still the higher yielding more higher risk corporate bond but have shorter maturities um, high yield municipal debt still looks attractive emerging market debt looks attractive for some of these countries around the world that have much better debt issues than the United States there's a lot of countries out there that have a much lower jet to debt to GDP than the United States and pay a higher yield Interesting. Sweden. Would you be interested in Swedish debt? Because they seem to be the only country not wanting to devalue their currency. Um, I'm almost teasing you. Yeah, because I think the issue, there is some debt issues and um, budget issues there. Well, they There's s- a real estate bubble as well. So. They're considered very socialist. A very large portion of taxes goes to cover uh, a percentage of their GDP. Right. So. Right. Um, in Stockholm, I think it was one of the biggest rising, bubbly kind of real estate markets out there. Um, they still say BlackRock in 2013 saying stock beat bonds and credit beats interest rate risk. So credit risk in terms of increasing the credit risk or the yield going to more of the high, high yield bond funds versus safe bond funds, they say is going to win in 2013. We'll take a break here at some point in time. But coming up, we've got emails. Got an email on college funding. Any interest in talking about a grandparent funding their kid's college? Uh, Yeah. Really? Yeah, we can do that. What's interesting about it is some guy who's in the insurance industry. Do you ever, like, look at emails and you're like, wait, wait, this guy, he works for consumer credit services and he's asking me a credit question. (laughs) (laughs) But he's probably the guy that runs, like, the, you know, the server security or something like that. (laughs) I'm just throwing it out there. On occasion, I see these things. Um, and they, they upset me greatly. So you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. You can contact Chad, chad at chadburton.com, chad at chadburton, or chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Website, New Focus Financial, has lots of articles, um, things that you can download, play, get the textile feel for. Uh, you still a textile kind of guy, Chad? A textile? Yeah. Like, I like touching things. I like the interaction of, of the real world with my fingers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. That sounds great. <laughs> I like. I don't like wait, do I you like, have a tablet computer then? Do you have, no. do you have like, like mine right here? I can move my screen. I'm magic. I'm going to really like the new Windows. <laughs> I've played with new Windows. It's probably the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I like it. I don't know what you're talking about. Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black. Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Great headline out there that says an ex-mayor's $1 billion gambling product problem. Stuns San Diego. Ex-mayor's $1 billion gambling woes. Stuns San Diego. 
If you're a firefighter or a teacher, that kind of story has to make you insane. Well, I, I got a clip of that, but I just didn't. I don't know where she got the money to do that. She was a PE teacher at one point. Her rapid rise was matched by her rapid fall. She acknowledged in federal court that she took $2.1 billion from her late husband's charitable foundation during a decade-long gambling spree in which she won and lost more than a billion dollars. Can you imagine being up a billion dollars and not taking it off the table? Like, I get mad at myself for those nights in Vegas where I'm up a thousand and I'm like, stop right here, stop right here, go all in. Stop right here, go all in. I haven't been to Vegas in a long time, but I hate, I just don't like gambling. Yeah. And as soon as the $10 and $20 blackjack tables close, I'm out. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm done because they'll close at a certain point where you can't find them anymore. They want the bigger spenders. So that's, I'll go see a show if I go again. I have no desire to go to Vegas at all. Really? Yeah. I went uh, New Year's for the Killers. And it was nice. I'd go for shows, but I would yeah. not go just to gamble or do the party scene. Old Makes show. Tune. So anyway, um, we got an email that I want to hit with you, and it comes from us from Wayne. And he goes, I want to help set up a monthly savings program for my four grandkids. What do you suggest? Wayne. Well, it you know it depends on what the age of the kids are because 529 plans make sense if the child is really eight or under. So you could go to um, uh, California's plan's okay. It's through Tia Craft. It's got a pretty good rating now. It's better than it was when it was with Fidelity. Um, I like uh, the plan at Utah, which you can use any state's 529 plan. So UESP.org is the one that I like. Um, Vanguard funds inside of it, low costs. And you can set up a 529 plan for the child. And the the one thing that you want to find out, though, are any of the parents going to qualify for financial aid? Because a 529 plan is a tax-free way to save for college and investments for a child. And it used to be that if the grandparent owned the 529 plan, it would not show up on the FAFSA forms, but it does now. They actually ask that specific question. So if the child isn't likely going to get financial aid because the parents make too much money, do the 529 plan. If they are going to probably get some financial aid, then it's a matter of just writing the checks directly to the institution once the child gets to that age. Because you're allowed to gift $14,000 to a person every year. Over that, you have to file a gift tax return. Unless you're making the check out directly to the educational institution, then that's a way to avoid that. So you, can, you could write a $100,000 check to your, your grandkid's college and pay no gift taxes. Why don't people do more of that instead of doing 529 plans to say, I think, and again, let me play some conspiracy theory. I think 529 plans were kind of invented by Fidelity to kind of like say, you're watching the Super Bowl. Well, they were invented by Fidelity, but I, I, by, by Wall Street, let's okay. say. <laughs> you're watching the Super Bowl. Your kid is happily on a bicycle. How are we going to pay for college? Yeah. Open an account with Fidelity right now, and we'll help you do it with a 529 plan. Because you can gift $14,000 a year. Why not just focus on your own retirement and your own money? And you know, if your kid goes to college or not, just gift it to them at the right time. Well, that's that's why you. I mean, you can fund stuff with cash flow later on. So if you're, you know, 30 years old and yeah. you have children, and you say I'm going to f- put money into a college plan before I max out my 401k, that's ridiculous. Because look, here's what's going to happen: your wages are going to increase, and also your mortgage requirements are hopefully going to decrease as your kids get to the college age. So it's more important for you to max out your retirement accounts now, get as much money as early as possible in there because the magic, the compounding is amazing. So the more money you get into your retirement first, especially pre-tax or tax-free in a Roth, the more secure your retirement's going to be. 
And then as your kids get to college, if you have to, you could refinance to lower your cash flow requirements. You could reduce the amount that you're putting in your 401k if you have to, to, to pay for college. And your wages are going to increase over time with inflation. So you'll have more cash flow to pay for the kids' college. So you've got to make sure you have your emergency reserve set up, you're maxing out your 401k, you're maxing out your Roth if you're eligible, and you have at least a year's worth of savings you know, in, in regular accounts before you go into these 529 plans. You've got to think of your retirement first. It's a lot easier for your kids to work their way through college or extend it than it is for you to work when you're 75 years old. Okay. Um, how about the choices inside of 529 plans? Do you go all aggressive? Because a lot of people don't even start until their kid's 4 or 5. And then you only have right. 10 years left until they go to college. Yeah, so you look at the more age-based aggressive options where um, the there's several options inside of a 529 plan, and I like the age-based ones. It's almost like target retirement date stuff. It's it's as the child ages, it becomes more conservative. And um, since you know bonds don't make a lot of sense for a four-year-old at this point because of where interest rates are, um, I would say, yeah, for the first you know, several years of the kid's life invest very aggressively, and then the 529 plan will automatically tweak it as they age. By the time they're 18, it's mostly short-term fixed income and cash. Anything else we need to know about this topic? Um, yeah, it's sites that we've talked about before um, in terms of helping with financial aid, things like that, uh, collegeboard.com. Just really know what's going to be on the FAFSA form well in advance, yeah. if you're going to qualify for financial aid or not. Um, because if there's a chance you're going to qualify for it, you have all these investment outside. Sometimes, you know, doing things with your mortgage or paying off your equity line of credit and essentially getting rid of that money in a sense so that it doesn't, you know, negatively affect potential financial aid is important. But I think that the cost of college has skyrocketed lately, and that's just not sustainable for us as a country. So I think things have it's changed totally a little sustainable bit. as long as our government's subsidizing it. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's probably going to be more subsidized educational costs and restrictions. I, I, I say the opposite. I think college. I think the government's going to try to get out of funding college funds. No, I think what they're going to do is try to become. They're, 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 but they don't do that, Rob. They just add more red tape and regulation. So they're going to have to. They're going to do more cost controls with college if they want to get the, fed, the federal dollars. Don't tell me what they do, do and don't do. They don't do anything good. We will Indian leg wrestle the solution to this Let's one. turn this into a libertarian show right now. <laughs> I'm, do kidding. That. I'm kidding. I'm um, kidding. To get in touch with us, you can email me, Rob, at robblack.com, Rob at robblack.com, Chad at newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Um, you know, I mentioned that you have articles at your website. Any articles on college planning yet? Um, you know, actually, it's more of the podcast that I have. So there's podcasts there on college planning. I don't oh, yeah. write a lot of articles. There's some things you can download, some um, sheets in terms of you know how long your money will last in retirement, kind of quick and dirty calculations. But most of what's up there is videos and podcasts on just about every topic. Any topic that starts with quick and dirty, it's pretty good topic. It's good stuff. Yeah, especially when you Here's download quick it and dirty. Free. What you need to know about. Uh, Losing weight. Planning. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you and I both have a mind in the gutter. Yeah. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. How much time do we have, Ross? Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds to chat. Thirty seconds to chat. Yeah. Anything you want to say? Um, let's talk about making sure your retirement plan matches your estate plan. Next segment. That's good stuff. Retirement plan matches your estate plan. Yeah. How? What you leave to who? Like, what do you? Which? What accounts should you leave to charity versus kids? You know, this song in two thousand twelve, and it started two thousand thirteen was in the top 10 for over 30 weeks. Lumineers, right? Yeah. Yep. 
Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Here's a good email question. I'm sorry for not going to your topic, but we will go to this long segment. So just answer quickly. Sure. This comes from Erin and she sends it an email, rob at robblack.com. You can always send it to the smarter the two of us, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. He's smarter than me, but I have more social skills. <laughs> what do you do socially outside of radio? That's what I want to know. I dance. I sing. No, you don't. I'm a singer-songwriter. Please, God, don't. <laughs> I, have a, I have a guitar. You already said you don't ski because you look like a bear and you've been shot at. Yeah, that's true. So that's, that's horrible. So Aaron says, I'm going to be coming into an inheritance of about $106,000 with a from a relative's Roth IRA. Uh-huh. What's the best way to transfer invest the funds? I have zero credit card debt, but a government-backed student loan of $40,000. I would like to use the money for a down payment on a house within the next five years. Everyone loves the down payment on the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the key to this. When you inherit an IRA or a Roth IRA. I kind of want to know how old she is. Cause <laughs> I love that. Whenever anybody young inherits money. What's it coming into money? I sent a picture. How many teeth do you have? <laughs> 31 and above is okay. 31 and above you go is under okay. 30, it's not good. That's true. Um, I knew someone that was born with like baby teeth for molars. <laughs> You're looking at me. I, that runs, <laughs> I have, yeah, molars. You didn't have to fess up to it. It's, I think it's kind of common. I, I'm hoping. Kind of common <laughs> late Cro Magnon. I've had era. two baby molars that I've lasted until I'm 38 years old. That's pretty good. It's good know. brushing and flossing right there. All, right. Now all your teeth uh, are coming straight down and not through the sides of your head, so that's good. Not anymore. Okay, back to Aaron and $100,000. Yeah, so when you inherit an IRA from uh, somebody that has passed away, um, here's the steps that you have to take because you don't want to take all of the money out and lose the options. Like if you inherit an IRA and you just take the cash, you are going to pay taxes on all of that money at your normal income bracket. If you inherit a Roth, you can get it all out tax-free because that's after-tax money, but you could also roll it into an inherited Roth IRA and continue tax-free growth over your lifetime. And so what you have to do is if you inherit it, say, let's say you get it, um, the person had the IRA or the Roth at Schwab, you have to go to Schwab and at that same firm, that same mutual fund company or brokerage firm, you have to open up an inherited Roth or inherited IRA account there. Then the money rolls over. Once it's in an inherited IRA or inherited Roth, you can transfer it to any other firm you want as long as it stays that way. Now, you'll have to take a little bit out each year based on your life expectancy, and the best place to find those tables is either irs.gov or irahelp.com. There's beneficiary life expectancy tables that you have to pull a little bit out each year based on your life expectancy. But if I was this person, um, I don't like debt in any way, shape, or form unless it's a mortgage. So I would likely, depending on my cash flow, if he's younger, it's probably going to pay him to get rid of that debt. Take the money out of the Roth, get rid of the debt, and then he could leave the money in there until he's ready to buy the house. 
um, and let it grow tax-free until he's ready to buy the home. And if you put it in an inherited IRA or Roth, you can take as much out as you want, or you can leave it in there and let it grow tax-deferred or tax-free. Don't pay off your boyfriend's debt. Strongly consider funding your retirement accounts for this year and next year, and then putting the rest in towards that pot of money that goes to the house. Yeah, yeah we could do the... You could open up your take money out of your inherited Roth and open up your own Roth, yeah. essentially with it, so you don't have to pull out a little bitty chair out of your own Roth. But yeah, dilemmas, dilemmas. So Chad Burton wants to talk a little investment recommendations. Um, BlackRock, you've been talking about today. Yeah, this was their kind of bond 2013 bond overview, and they oddly titled it "We Won't Get Fooled Again After the Song." But uh, as an email, the song is from by, done by who? Uh, don't won't get fooled again. Who's that song by? Who? Know. The who? Who? There you the go. who? Not who. The who, right? Um, so they're talking about reduced interest rates. I got and social skills. Segments. <laughs> you know a lot about music. I will give you that. Good music recommendations from Rob Black. That's true. Um, they're saying stay overweight and higher yield stuff right now. Um, they say the housing recovery theme favors bank bonds and investment grade and credit areas of the mortgage market, though outperformance of both is limited relative to past years. So don't, long story short, do not expect the same type of returns that you've had in your bond funds. You know, that's what the general population does, Rob. They look at these funds inside their 401k or wherever they have it, and they say, wow, this fund has been earning 10%. It's been earning 10%, so I'm going to add more to it or I'm going to hold on to it. When you have a bond fund that gives you stock returns, it's time to reallocate. It's time to peel some of your gains off the table and reallocate it somewhere else. Part of what they're talking about is stabilizing China growth in 2013, supporting the outlook for emerging markets. So emerging markets, you know, the U.S. did really well in 2012, over 16%. Most emerging markets did more than that. Yeah. And usually small cap... In fact, like Germany, which is tied towards the whole European thing, about 30%. Germany last year? So Yeah. Yeah, the economy is shrinking a little bit lately, but that's really well known and priced into many of those stocks. Um, in terms of emerging markets, though, um, and then also, in my opinion, looking at small cap, that usually on a really good year, if things are all right and we're in the term of growth, small caps drastically outperform large caps, and that hasn't happened yet. And everything that I'm seeing in terms of corporate balance sheets and, and companies have a top tough time growing their top line in terms of revenue. That's why I think I'm looking at small cap world and small cap, more smaller cap emerging markets if you're going to be in that area. Looks attractive if we get past, um, you know, what our Congress has to deal with in the first part of 2013, and hopefully they won't botch that up. They'll just kick it off another 10 years. If they do, there's a lot of potential CapEx spending that's going to be unlocked and a lot of cash on balance sheets that's going to benefit tech companies, industrials, um, there's certain health areas that are going to do well and certain that are going to certain sectors that are going to do poorly based on the unknowns of this uh, Affordable Care Act that's fully implemented in 2014. A couple other things to talk about inside this type of note. Um, don't get too carried away trying to be right. Um, I could pull up a list of, you know, 10 fantastic predictions for 2012 and sometimes it's like 50 to 60% of them come true. So don't get too caught up in what people are writing about as far as expectations go. Well, the thing, too, when you get these types of investment reports yeah. from companies that make money as long as you're invested, <laughs> when you get a report from BlackRock or from PIMCO and certain types of – you have to look at it very jaded. You can't trust anybody. 
because they make money when you're invested in their tools like ETFs and funds, right? So whenever you, when everybody is really, really positive about something or where even your own – you as an investor are feeling too positive about something. Right. You've really got to find articles that make you look at the other side of it, almost so that you can feel negative about your winners. Do you feel bad about – or did you go into the VIX? We had a couple calls a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that said, you know, I want to short this market. I'm going to go short the VIX because as the VIX spikes up – um, this will be a good opportunity to make a lot of money. The, people are too complacent seeing that March is right around the corner and drastic spending cuts could hit the U.S. economy. Well, yeah. the, I mean, you, you've looked at the complacency in the market and a lot of the um, – like we use some stuff from Sentiment Trader and a lot of these indicators in terms of overbought yep. are pegged at the high end. But they can stay pegged at the high end for a while. Yeah. And we do have an economy that's not – you know, push, stocks are not being pushed up by top-line revenue growth. Yeah. And companies drastically expanding. That's pushed up by the Fed pumping money into the system. But the question is, is it really pumping money into the system anymore? They've buying so many bonds, it's actually pulling money out of the system now. You and know what, what I mean? What will happen when we do see the Treasury, 10-year Treasury, when it hits 2.25 to 2.3? Yeah. You're going to see mortgage rates drastically move higher. Because drastic means 3.7% to 4.3%. And that's a huge move. Yeah. In percentage-wise, now seven to seven and a half isn't as big. I mean, these are small numbers. So when they move, they move in much yeah, bigger half, chunks. Yeah, what you're saying is a half a percent based on two percent starting rate is a yeah. huge move. Um, and that, I think that could be the biggest risk to our economy. That's not really headline-oriented because no one will watch the ten-year treasury. Yeah, I mean, what it'll be is really consumer sentiment. Oriented people will see a big drop in, let's say, you're not talking about devastation or supernova, but you can see 10% drops in bond funds when you have a rate move like that. The 28-year-old Aaron, by the way, she followed up with an email. $100,000 inheritance. That's a good age. Did she follow up with a picture? Is that? <laughs> 28 still has birthing hips, right? 31 plus teeth. The dumb things I say to get a response. Yes. So, um, inflation. Sometimes I just feel like Ed McMahon over here. Ha, 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 ha. Give me a hi-o. Hi-o. And now, see, now you're going to capture that and replay it over and over. There's again. a 100% chance that's yeah, recaptured. Great. Give me a ho, Fall for that every year. Every year. You are correct, sir. Um, Chinese exports. Um, France getting worse. There's potential headlines that cause this market nervousness, but do you bet on headlines, or do you just continue to be a quant guy, a... A numbers guy, an allocation guy, a diversification guy, or do headlines ever scare you? Because headlines don't really scare me. You must do the opposite. I mean, you know, you don't buy on the rumors and sell. And you just you have to look at what the company is doing as far as execution. So in so terms really of in terms of what you're picking, it's more of a quant screen in terms of what you're trying to narrow. These are the types of companies I want to look at. Then you say, are these companies good on a fundamental basis? Then your next step is to say. Is it a good time to enter the stock? Because if the trend is not your friend, if a stock chart is just looking ugly and, the, and Wall Street hates it, you're probably going to get a little better price later. So you have to look at everything. I mean, I would have said probably 10, 15 years ago that technicals don't matter, but I think they do now because so many people are looking at them. And you always want to get the best price you can on your investment. Yeah. Um, technicals matter more to a trader. Fundamentals matter more to an investor. Yeah, and you've got to use the fundamentals to make your investments, and your technicals only come into play once you've already decided whether or not you want to buy it or you want to sell it. You know what I mean? So if you figured out, you know what, the stock, it's time to sell it, but 
the market keeps pushing it higher, you can look at a stock and they get a historical high. They're well over their level on P.E. and price of sales, but the market can push them higher for a short time. Drop like your money on Wall Street Business Network. has a financial interest in the success of... That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Financial planning, retirement issues. CFP Chad Burton sitting in with me. At a cavity from childhood crack. Took a tooth basically with it. Oh, that uh, root canal is a fun one. So... So if I sound like I'm slurring a little bit today, it's because I'm protecting my are. teeth. No, no, no medicine, no, no alcohol. Alcohol and Percocets don't go well together. But Percocets and codeine, that is magic. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. You saw Magic Mike, right? No, I have not seen Magic Mike. Okay, yeah, I, I, I haven't either, but I know there's a good-looking guy. <laughs> sure you haven't. <laughs> I know there's a good-looking guy who's basically wearing a bikini, and that's about it. Uh and how does that connect? <laughs> well, I, I feel like Magic Mike, or I think I look like Magic Mike after uh, a Percocet and a Codeine. Go dancing around. Maisie the Liner Dog just looks at me like, put a shirt on. <laughs> put a shirt on, you fool. I was hoping you'd do that last hour, but still here you are. So what are we talking about today? Um, other than brush your teeth, because you only got so many of them. Yeah, the dentists are expensive, even through retirement. You know, I, I've changed my opinion on dentists recently. You might remember I used to go to a uh, Blendy in San Francisco, and he's this old Beverly Hills dentist, great cosmetic dentist, great, great dentist, great sedation dentist, just cool on every level. And he's over 60. And now I'm like, I want the guy who's 30. I want the kid from UCLA who knows everything about lasers, who knows everything about, you know, the cutting edge technology. Right. So, because there has been a lot of technology. In de- so I've given up on the older, craftier. He's seen every every mistake, every root, every nerve. I'm now going with the younger guy. Yeah, we'll see how that works out, too. But it is nice to be able to... It, do you remember how long x-rays used to take when you were a kid? Yeah. You went to a dentist, now it's just boom, like that. And then they put it on the screen in front of you as you're sitting there, yeah. digitally. Well, now there's lasers that they use on kids for instead of drills. Mm-hmm. And it goes pop, 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 pop. And it's just like some water being sprayed on it, and then the, the, the water is being shot with a laser. But they can't do it with more older, complex uh, cavities because those are more three-dimensional and less surface. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, there we are sounding old. Remember when we were kids, they actually scraped plaque off your teeth? They still do that. Yes, they do. Just throwing it out there. Like my new dentist. Oh, oh, and I got an instant message alert. alert. So it now instant messages me saying, hey, you got an appointment at 115. Right. Yeah. Dig that. I was trying to explain to the hygienist, and she goes, so why do you dig? Why do you like it? I said, because I don't like people. I said, the happiest day of my life was when the ATM card processing going outside on gas pump, so you didn't have to go in and pay. Yeah. So you just pay at the pump. I like not having to answer my phone. Let's go to Oregon, though, where people still have to pump your gas. You cannot pump your own gas if you drive through Oregon. Yeah, we're in New Jersey. Really? Yeah. So it's, that's a crappy way for a governor to say, 
we want to keep people down. Like, we're going to give them minimum wage jobs so they can pump your gas back as if they did in servitude and slavery. Yeah. Might as well make them call us masses as well. <laughs> pump my gas. In fact, in California may introduce a new wiper law. <laughs> a new wiper law? Yeah, not for cars, but for, like, bathrooms. Oh, no. Let's, let's hit a financial topic. <laughs> a couple what? minutes left in the show. Wiper! <laughs> That's horrible. Could happen. Yeah. So much for a best of. <laughs> the greatest of. Yeah, yeah. I refer to this as blackouts. But go ahead. ETFs. Let's talk about those for a minute. Exchange funds. It's fastest growing financial product out there. It started off as basically index funds that trade like a stock, yep. like Spiders, SPY, or QQQs, which is the NASDAQ in one investment, if you like tech. Um, I want to just warn people about there's so many new ETFs coming out, and there's a lot of new ones that are actively managed ETFs or hedged equity. So they'll like they'll go inverse. And so as people look at the bond market and they start hearing these terms about bonds. Let me throw this out there real quick. ETF stands for exchange traded fund. Slightly different than a mutual fund. Better tax consequences for you on an ETF. Well so that's what most people think and that's what they were created for is to be more tax efficient than mutual funds. Wait, 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 wait. let me finish that. Charles Schwab has recently introduced hundreds of free ETFs for the consumer. TD Ameritrade has the same concept. Fidelity has the same concept. Um, but who's getting paid is the TD Ameritrade's, the Fidelity's, the Charles Schwab's are getting paid by the management of the ETF. Right. Is there a conflict of interest there? No, because it happens with mutual funds too. And there's a cost of doing business if you want a, if you want a consolidated view in your brokerage account. At the same time, those kind of ETFs have caused the management fees to drop drastically. Like Schwab came out and then I with 0.4% per year – then iShares lowered their fees on their core holdings, which are great ETF investors, investments for beginning investors or for your first 200000 really. But now all these other ETFs are coming out where people think they're tax efficient. Some of them are managed and some of them rebalance on a quarterly basis and are horribly inefficient for taxes. And then some of them that look like, hey, you can hedge the market. If the market goes down, this will go up perfectly. Or if the bond market goes down, this will go up perfectly. Those things can have massive price errors, and they are not to be messed with by the average investor. Because you have to realize that when you're investing, there's always got to be a buyer when there's a seller and vice versa. So when everybody starts doing the same thing on some of those ETFs that are inverse, mm -hmm. it can cause massive price movements, 50 bucks a share sometimes. So if everybody piles in thinking the market's going to go down, you could get drastically burned. So I would steer totally clear of those ETFs. Which ETFs? The, the inverse one. Anything okay. that goes positive or negative, the market a certain inverse, either up okay. or down. Um, and also know whether or not it's managed. Never buy an wait. ETF in the first six months that it's traded. Oh, wait, wait. How about pro shares? Certain pro shares are fine. Okay. So I've never uh, liked but pro there's shares some, as a group. There, there's a couple of dividend-paying ones that are fine. Um, I think people really just need to look at kind of the core ones that uh, iShares and now Schwab has and, and Vanguard. You can build a portfolio out of those areas, any one of those companies on their core holdings. 30 seconds, anything that we need to plug while we're plugging? Uh, check out the websites for Gunnavet coming up shortly. Chad, com, newfocusfinancial.com, robblack.com. Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.